He is faithful indeed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, praise band. Thank you, Iwana kids downstairs. Praise God for music. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Good morning. I've, um, I've only been gone a week. Um, some of you probably didn't even notice. But uh, it seems like I've been go- gone longer than that. I've been, um, oh, uh, since last week, Thursday, I've been, I had the opportunity to go back to my um, alma mater, uh, Holland Christian High School in Holland, Michigan, and I got to spend time uh, teaching 153 graduating seniors. And uh, yeah, go ahead, give them a hand. They said they were going to listen in today. <laughs> Yeah, 153 seniors in late April, so, you know, they were really into the class. I mean, <laughs> so you guys said you were going to listen in, so if you're there, hi, I miss you, and um, uh, they didn't quite believe that I was a pastor. You know, they said, you're not a pastor. I said, I am too. You know, you're not. Okay, am too, see? Okay. So, uh, hey guys, I miss you, and they all say hi to you, so hi from the Holland Christian class of 2012. Um, we spent time, um, I spent time with them. Um, some of the things that I've shared with you and some that I will share with you um, surely in the next several weeks, but we spent some time uh, talking about two great men uh, in history. One of them gave himself the name the Great, and his name was Herod the Great. And by any worldly standard, whether it's wealth or sports, sex, drugs, in your work, You give me any worldly standard of greatness or success, and I will tell you about Herod the Great. The man is a candidate, at least, on worldly standards for the greatest person who ever lived. Then the other person we talked about, also great, you know him, his name is Jesus. But he was great for a very different reason. Instead of living his life for self, like Herod did, Jesus came, of course, to lay down his life in obedience and love to his Father and because of his great love of us. No one ever obeyed God like Jesus did. And no one ever loved like he did. So we talked about those two great men. And I left those kids, I left you guys, with the choice And it's a choice that we all have today, too. Even if you've made the choice for Jesus, you still have it today and every day in every circumstance and with every person that you come across. And the choice is this. Will you live your life Herod's way or will you live it Jesus' way? And you can try to avoid the choice, but you can't. It's impossible to avoid Because you will decide, unless you live your life under a rock somewhere, as you live and as you breathe and as you interact and as we are faced with life, we necessarily will decide in every circumstance whether we follow Herod or whether we follow Jesus. I I wanted to share a little bit of what we talked about this past week because Man, so many amazing things happened this uh, past week, and um, you were a part of it. Um, You were a part of it because uh, you let me go, even if you didn't know you let me go for a week. Um, 
The reason why this opportunity came up is um, Ray Vanderlaan, um, he's their normal teacher at Holland Christian, and he had an opportunity to take a very special trip. Um, he will rarely, if ever, I think this may be the first time since I've known the man, that he has left to do a trip when he had committed to students to teach their class. But God had a different plan and brought this special trip opportunity for him to lead. So he called me and he said, Todd, the only way I'll go is if you'll come and teach my class. No pressure, right? <laughs> and um, so I said, sure. My mom and dad are back in Holland. Our son Ben is a freshman at Hope College in Holland. So huge bonus. I'd get to go and, uh, and see them. So um, I went. And the reason why this trip was special that Vanderlaan was going to lead is it was put together by Kathy Lee Gifford of the Today Show. Um, and it included her husband, Frank Gifford, the NFL Hall of Famer. And um, if you're old enough, you, you remember Frank back in the day when he helped host Monday Night Football, right? And that's about how far back I go. If you're a little older than I am, you remember when Frank played. Uh, wide receiver in the NFL. And what um, you may have also heard about Frank and Kathy Lee Gifford just over the years is uh, Kathy Lee has long been a strong follower of Jesus, but um, her husband Frank had never really uh, committed, and uh, Kathy was pretty frank about that uh, when interviewed, <laughs> and uh, and um, but as the years went on, um, in some of the interviews and articles I've read, uh, you could see growing in, in Kathy, uh, Kathy Lee, no, no small amount of heartache, uh, as you might imagine. Uh, Frank turned 81 uh, this year. And so Kathy Lee puts the trip together and included um, her husband Frank, some family friends, and then a, a bunch of people from the staff of the Today Show. I think uh, 18 people in all went. Um, and then uh, uh, one week before the trip, uh, Frank suddenly let it be known that uh, there was no way he was going on this trip. So I talk about the Bible and I'm not going to Israel. I, I am off this trip. And then the next day, Frank was back on the trip. Apparently, Kathy Lee can be very persuasive. Our wives can be persuasive, right, men? Um, yeah. So anyway, off they went, off to Israel. Off I went to teach Bible at Holland Christian. Five days later, I was on the golf course with my dad and with Ben. Um, and uh, my dad's cell phone rings. I can remember because Ben was like just about to putt. And also my dad's cell phone goes off. And so we all kidded him about his cell phone. And he looked and... He said, oh, i got to take the call. So he stepped off the green around behind the bunker, I'll always remember, and he takes his phone and, and, and he's talking. Uh, my dad and Ray Vanderlein have been friends for years. That's how I first got to know Ray. My dad introduced us. And after talking briefly, my dad hangs up the phone. He comes back on the green and uh, he's looking down and he looks up there and he's got tears in his eyes. And he looks up and he says to us, I just got word that today... Frank Gifford was baptized in the Jordan River.
81 years old. It's never too late, is it? And uh, I just want to share that with you because um, you are part of that. Uh, Kathy Lee is going to be um, back in studio tomorrow on the Today Show. I guess she has that uh, third hour with, uh, what's her anchor's name? Hoda? Is that right? And um, I think she may talk about her Israel trip. We'll see. Uh, you may want to tune in because you, you played a part. And as I reflected um, on all of that the past few days, it just began to overwhelm me again um, just how much God is in control. In everyone's life, in every minute detail, God is there, orchestrating, weeping, laughing, loving. I mean, how many things had to happen just right for Frank Gifford to finally discover Christ last week? And then multiply that by every person who's ever lived in every circumstance. And God is right there in those circumstances to working it. And his sovereignty, his control, it boggles my mind. It's just one person, Frank Gifford. Times it by everyone. God is so in control and then of course along the way of all of this part of God's master plan and control he even puts in place you know the added blessing of having uh, Ryan Long sharing his testimony with you here last week right I And um, you know, I, heard, I heard you guys actually gave him a standing ovation. That's not true, is it? I mean, did you? I expected the choir to, because for some reason Ryan has the choir wrapped around his little finger. I, I, you know, how come you never give me a standing ovation? Well, I'm waiting. That's just cold. I mean, you know. But and then all wrapped up in it, and no one is going to convince me otherwise, you'll never convince me otherwise, Ryan, because I've been after Ryan for years, say, you know, there's a day coming, you need to preach, you need to tell your story, it's such a strong testimony, ah, oh, it's preaching, oh, I don't want to preach. And so it just so happens, and no one's going to tell me that it just so happens, that he finally gets the courage and the call and the conviction to preach, he pushes through his fear of preaching and three days later, he finally asked the girl to marry him. So he, see, and all of that and more and everything else that was going on in your life this week, God had that, his timing is just amazing. So I've just been, I, the last couple of days, uh, especially as I really uh, turned the page from the, the classroom, I've just been awestruck, really, with just how lovingly, compassionately 
God is in control. And very quickly out of that reflection of God's sovereignty and uh, control came to my mind and heart three words that God repeatedly gives us in Scripture. In fact, every verse that I had ever memorized ever since I was a little boy started coming back to mind and heart. And I started thinking, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. So then I go back and look, and it may be, it may be the most frequent charge, encouragement that God gives to us in Scripture. And the three words that just have been reverberating in my soul are these three. Do not fear. Do not fear. No matter what, don't be afraid. And don't be afraid not only because God loves you, but do not fear because your God who loves you is in complete control. So do not fear. All over the scriptures you find this encouragement. There's a heavy concentration in the book of Deuteronomy, God's summary book of all Torah where God repeatedly is telling the children of Israel, don't be afraid. Isaiah really picks up this theme as well. Over and over again, tells Israel, do not fear. And in the book of Joshua, echoed in Ephesians and elsewhere, God says it this way, be strong. Be strong and courageous. Do not Fear. And Jesus, of course, echoes those words of his Father repeatedly in the Gospels. And I don't know about you, but that, um, that's important for me to remember. Do not fear. Because it's very easy to fear. There's a lot that living in a fallen world presents that can cause us fear and to be afraid. And, and the thing about fear is when you're afraid, it's just devastating to us. Someone wrote, there's nothing that paralyzes the mind more than fear. And when fear besieges us, we... We can't even think straight. And when we can't think straight, we come to a dead halt. We get stuck. It's like it's impossible to act when we're too afraid. Fear is so debilitating. And part of the reason is, is um, fear is a big family man, which means fear doesn't travel alone. It takes along his big, sick family. Lots of cousins, like a spirit of doubt, discouragement, 
despair, anxiety. And the opposite of hope, dread. Love to keep company with fear. And so when God tells us do not fear, he doesn't only tell us to encourage us, he's also really arming us with crucial words to live by. Do not fear. People throughout history have uh, commented on that debilitating power of fear. I've been reading through some of their quotes, and there's so many of them. I collected a few that I've just been reflecting on this week. Um, wise words, they seem to me. I'll share a few with you. The first duty of a man is to conquer fear. He must get rid of it. He cannot act until then. Or how about this one? Too many of us, too many of us are not living our dreams because we're living our fears. Or where fear is, happiness isn't. And then this one uh, rang really true for me personally. Of all the liars in the world, sometimes the worst are your own fears. No passion so effectively robs the mind of all its powers of acting and reasoning as fear. And then this good advice, do not take counsel of your fears. Joy has um, been a huge topic uh, in our family recently. And so uh, this one especially stuck with me the last couple of days. Uh, Worry, a, a form or a cousin of fear. Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. Man, that's for sure, isn't it? Fear, fear is one lethal killjoy. Fear defeats more people than any other one thing in the world, someone said. Wow. Some truth in that? And then finally, finally Franklin Roosevelt's infamous word on fear, of course, came back to me this week. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so our, our loving God warns us of the, the devastation a spirit of fear can cause us. And so God, again and again in his word, he shouts it and he also whispers it in our ears. Oh, my children. I know the world is a terrifying place, but don't be afraid. I'm right here. Do not fear. My mom and dad um, gave me a book this uh, past week when I was home, and um, it's a book by Eugene Peterson uh, called The Pastor, and uh, so my mom and dad thought, well, it must be a good book to give Todd. So you may know Eugene Peterson, uh, he's the author of The Message, um, that uh, brilliant translation of the text, and um, 
I've been enjoying this book. I don't have, I'm not quite all the way through it. I'm about halfway, and I can't wait to finish it. It's, um, I'm finding so far it's a must-read for any pastor, and it's a must-read for anyone who has a pastor. <laughs> for me, it's been um, deeply inspiring and encouraging, and it strikes me, too, um, you know, how encouraging it is, isn't it, when... Um, you can read of someone's experiences who are further along, you know, a path or a similar path that you're on. And uh, I, I got a chance um, years ago, Gene uh, Peterson came on um, one of uh, Vanderlaan's trips that I was on. So I got a chance to meet him. And uh, I need to track him down again and thank him for this book. But um, I wanted to share with you this morning um, just one short story from uh, Pastor Peterson's book. Uh, it's his memoirs, really. So he especially focuses on the story of his life um, as a call to be pastor. Uh, what led up to that and then through his life of being pastor. And I want to read a small, a short story he wrote in a chapter simply called Garrison Johns. And... Um, Eugene Peterson, in this chapter, he tells us about something that happened when, in his words, he first went out into the world. That huge step uh, for every one of us, when we first go out into the world, uh, that step called the first grade. So, uh, Eugene is a first grader. Listen to his story. About the third day after entering first grade... Garrison discovered me and took me on as his project for the year. He gave me a working knowledge of what 25 years later Richard Niebuhr would give me a more sophisticated understanding of the tension between Christ and culture. I had been taught in Sunday school not to fight and so had never learned to use my fists I had been prepared for the wider world of neighborhood and school by memorizing, bless those who persecute you, and turn the other cheek. I don't know how Garrison Johns knew that about me, some sixth sense that bullies have, I suppose, but he picked me for his sport. Most afternoons after school, he would catch me, and beat me up. He also found out that I was a Christian and taunted me with Jesus sissy. I tried finding alternate ways home by making detours through alleys, but he stalked me and always found me. I arrived home most afternoons bruised and humiliated. My mother told me that this had always been the way of Christians in the world and that I had better get used to it. I was also supposed to pray for him. The Bible verses that I had memorized, bless and turn, began to get tiresome. I loved going to school. I was learning a lot, finding new friends, adoring my teacher. The classroom was a wonderful place. 
But after the dismissal bell each day, I had to face Garrison Johns and get my daily beating that I was supposed to assimilate as my blessing. March came. I remember that it was March by the weather. The winter snow was melting, but there were still patches of it here and there. The days were getting longer, and I was no longer walking home in the late afternoon dark. And then something unexpected happened. I was with my neighborhood friends on this day, seven or eight of them, when Garrison caught up with us and started in on me, jabbing and taunting, working himself up to the main event. He had an audience, and that helped. He always did better with an audience. That's when it happened, totally uncalculated, totally out of character. Something snapped within me. For just a moment, the Bible verses disappeared from my consciousness, and I grabbed Garrison. To my surprise and his, I realized that I was stronger than he was. I wrestled him to the ground, sat on his chest, and pinned his arms to the ground with my knees. Can you see this little first grader? I couldn't believe it. He was helpless under me. At my mercy. It was too good to be true. I hit him in the face with my fists. It felt good. And I hit him again. Blood spurted from his nose, a lovely crimson on the snow. <laughs> By this time, all the other children were cheering, egging me on, black his eyes, bust his teeth. A torrent of biblical invective poured from them, although nothing compared with what I would later in life read in the Psalms. I said to Garrison, Say, uncle! He wouldn't say it. I hit him again. More blood, more cheering. Now my audience was bringing the best out of me. And then my Christian training reasserted itself. So I said, Say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He wouldn't say it. I hit him again. More blood. I tried again. Say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he said it. Garrison Johns was my first Christian convert. <laughs> So the moral of the story is, beat those who persecute you and they'll be saved. No, it's not the, no, no. A lot of ways I could go from this story, but here's the one that stuck with me in this week where I was thinking about God's control and, and do not 
fear. One line in particular in that story especially caught my attention, and that was the line, to my surprise and his, I realized that I was stronger than he was. And I immediately thought about fear, and specifically the fear that the devil wants to use to cripple us and cripple our life and witness because like Garrison Johns, the devil is a bully. And like Garrison Johns, uh, the devil picks us for his sport. And he stalks us and he finds us seeking to batter, to bruise, and to humiliate. And like Garrison Johns or any bully, the devil relies heavily on fear. And he plays on our fear, our fear of him, even. Then I thought, you know, I'm often a lot like little first grade Eugene. Allowing my fear to convince me that those sorts of things, well, that's just the way it has to be. Or, in the words of uh, however well-intended Eugene Peterson's mom was, we just get used to it. And maybe, like Eugene Peterson that day, I need to remember and I need to realize that Because of the one who lives in me, I am stronger than the devil. And our fear telling us otherwise is a lie. Have we forgotten what Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1? When the Holy Spirit comes on us, we receive power power against the devil and evil and fear have we forgotten james's words resist the devil and he will flee from you that's a very tricky verse to interpret in james very difficult to understand let me try to unpack that for you resist the devil and he will flee from you this is what it means when we resist the devil He will flee from us. (laughs) Don't need no pastor to tell you what that verse means. And do we forget that sometimes? And instead of resisting the devil, finally over time we start to break down and we just resign ourselves to allow him to give us our daily beating. In whatever area that fear is holding us in. For many of us, I would imagine, uh, in our relationships. And we just... Whatever our fear is, whatever yours is, if it's a fear of relationships, if it's a fear, sometimes a fear is, you know, we know our own weaknesses. 
And instead of going there and wrestling with them, armed with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the real power of prayer, which James also assures us is effective, it's like we disengage and we pull back and we resign ourselves for our daily beating. And our God comes to us and says, hey, no matter the circumstance, no matter the fear, no matter how big it is, don't be afraid. And Jesus chimes in, yeah, listen to my Father. Because I overcame the world. I overcame all of it. So do not fear. Because our God is faithful. And his name is great. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you know how easy it is for us to give in to the lies of fear. I just pray today that for everyone here, whatever fear it is that has them and is squeezing them, that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by your power, release them from that fear. Release them from the fear that the devil would have hold them while he beats on them. And replace it, Lord, with a humble confidence in your love and your power and your control. Give us the legs to stand on, Father, yet once again to resist the devil in your name. And keep your promise, Father, that when we do in partnership with you, that he will indeed flee. And in so doing, Father, free all of us, free your church, to be able to show the world indeed what true love, your love, is like in Christ Jesus, your Son. And I pray this in his name. The man who overcame fear, once and for all, Jesus. In his name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please, for benediction this morning? If you can face me as I come into our community, and you can look at others instead of just the back of their heads. God's blessing comes uh, from Jesus this morning. It's in John 14, and Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples, um, promising them that their fear and their grief over his death will one day turn to joy. And he assures him and now us with these words. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give peace as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid.
In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great week. Yeah. Okay, it's too late. It's too late. You're praising God, right? That's right, okay. God bless you all.